Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the In Conversation with eClinical Medicine podcast. I'm Vincenzo Giacco, Senior Editor at eClinical Medicine. Each month we will be interviewing one or more authors of a paper published in our journal, giving them an opportunity to provide a deeper discussion of their research. We are here today with Dr. Morteza Mamoudi to talk about the need for the development of discipline-specific approaches to address academic bullying and how their recent work help us to better understand this topic. Dr. Mamoudi is Assistant Professor at the Department of Radiology and Precision Health Program at Michigan State University. His specific research interest is in nanomedicine and regenerative medicine for development of new nano-based platforms for prevention, treatment of life-threatening conditions such as cardiopathy and uh, cancer. Another activity research focused on his lab is in social sciences, specifically in the fields of gender disparity and academic bullying. Over the past years, Dr. Mahmoudi has worked for the University College Dublin, Ireland, Ecole Polytechnique Fédérale de Lausanne, Switzerland, Sharif University of Technology, Iran, University of Illinois and Urban Champaign and Stanford School of Medicine. Prior coming to Michigan State University, he was an assistant professor at Harvard University. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Mahmoudi, and welcome to the podcast. So you are, uh, your paper published in Clinical Medicine focused on the type and the frequency of bullying behavior in various disciplines in academia. To begin with, could you describe the issue of academic bullying, its adverse effect on scientists, and the progress of science in general, and the importance of developing approaches to address academic bullying? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. The issue of academic bullying is a very serious scientific yet unresolved issue that we basically face on a daily basis. It ranges a wide range of unethical actions, which falls out of the scientific freedom. Uh, and it covers basically personal attacks all the way to destroying young investigator career. So the issue, like I mentioned, is very serious. It's uh, long neglected in the science backyard. And the side effects are huge. I'm just going to cover a couple of major side effects that academic bullying causes. The first one is the basically mental and physical adverse health effects on targets. Previously, people just thought that it would be only targets, but now we understand and know that it can also affect uh, uh, people in a wider circle of influence of the targets, including colleagues, spouses, and uh, children. And in addition to that, if a target is a, like a healthcare provider, then the issue of academic bullying and the side effects can uh, lead to like uh, wrong medical um, decisions, which affects patient health. It could otherwise be kind of uh, avoided. The other uh, major side effect of academic bullying is a scientific integrity and data manipulation. Now we have some data showing that basically the targets 
at least a small portion of them, that they basically get forced by PI to manipulate data because they, I mean, the unethical like uh, PI, an abusive supervisor, may want to see such a data to publish a paper or secure external grant, and the targets are forced to basically provide that data. Um, the other side effect is uh, the new wave that we see in science that many scientists basically leave academia. And unfortunately and sadly, this is more frequent in female scientists than male scientists. And the last one, uh, which is important, I want to I wanted to kind of point out here is like the fact that the high rank universities in the absence of like proper support for the targets of academic bullying, they are going to act like uh, bullying factories for future. Because again, we have some data that like uh, abusive parenting, when the children's basically gets to the parenting position in order to heal their kind of old wounds, they do abusive behavior to their children. So there's a risk that unhealed targets be future bullies. Therefore, for these reasons and many others that I basically uh, didn't cover due to the time like constrictions here, it's a high time to timely and effectively address uh, academic harassment and specifically bullying in our science backyard. Okay. Following on from this, could you tell us more about the key findings of your study publishing in clinical medicine and their importance in the context of specific scientific disciplines? Sure. So it has been a couple of years that uh, we have been working in the topic. We were more interested in understanding the root causes of academic bullying and propose tangible and uh, practical solutions to the issue. So one of the hypotheses that we had in the past was that the contextual bullying behavior may not be the same in each scientific discipline. And that was kind of obvious. The reason is that like the culture, source of funding, type of publishing, and basically patentability of the works in like engineering, social sciences, basic sciences, they are completely different from each other. So the contextual behavior, bullying behavior should be different. Uh, so we could basically validate that hypothesis using a cross-sectional uh, global study that uh, we have done. And we received over 2,000 response to that global survey for, from like people that have been targeted or witnessed uh, academic bullying around the globe. And we could basically validate the hypothesis that the contextual behavior is actually different. And it's very important because if, if like an institution or a funding agency, they want to monitor bullying behavior or they want to develop kind of uh, educational training, it should be discipline specific because the contextual behaviors are, are very different in each, uh, each scientific discipline. For example, we found that like out of uh, 14 major disciplines that we got the response from the survey, targets in engineering fields basically experience more severe bullying behaviors than others. Thank you for sharing. As mentioned in your study, 
A report about harassment in Dutch academia revealed scientific sabotage as a bullying behavior commonly experienced by female academics. In addition, recent systematic reviews of harassment in academia revealed that anti-harassment and non-discrimination policies over the past 30 years have been little effect. Why do you think these policies have been insufficient? So I flash back to a recent report by the national by the US National Academies of Engineering Science and Medicine that they basically referred to the outcomes of the sexual harassment incidences uh, in the US universities. They mentioned that despite the fact that they have laws against like sexual harassment there is a strong law in place and there are like huge training that are offered by universities they still have like little evidence that the incidence of sexual harassment has uh, significantly reduced and there's a good reason for that one of the reason is that we lack i would say collaborative functioning between all stakeholders So in many cases, universities are the kind of uh, lead for internal investigations. So they have many, I would say, things to compromise from their reputation or the lack of funding to basically support targets and even to face the perpetrators. The reason is that many of those perpetrators bring huge fundings to the universities And um, therefore, their interest is kind of intertwined with the interest of uh, perpetrators. So universities and perpetrators basically try to kind of, at least from the the, uh, recent scandals that are unfortunately a tip of iceberg, that they try to sweep the uh, incidence of academic bullying under the cart as much as they can. So the main reason for sexual harassment and also academic bullying, and in general, the academic harassment, is that we lack uh, integrational functioning between stakeholders. So uh, what we are basically trying to do, which we have done that in our previous efforts, in earlier kind of papers that we published in eClinical Medicine, Science, Nature, Nature, Human Behavior, was to bring awareness about the issue, and basically mentioned the importance of involving funding agency, journal editors, and others into the discussion. Because journal editors are kind of very important in increasing awareness in different fields, yet the editors may not be very cooperative because, for example, a journal that covers chemistry, they don't want to cover issue of academic bullying. Yet it's very important because academic bullying is a threat to our science, no matter of their specific discipline. And this is the same for racism, for gender inequity. So I think in a wider view, they should publish such a thing, but they have some hesitation. So they need to do their share in terms of increasing awareness in different communities. We need funding agencies to be involved, and they should have direct contact. So targets can basically contact them. Based on um, our recent search, we know that like U.S. National Institute of Health have a civil program that they provide that kind of uh, direct contact line. 
I also know from literature that there are additional funding agencies uh, such as UK Wellcome Trust that they are also considering a strong policies against like academic bullying. So unless we basically get all of the stakeholders uh, to think and develop a platform and a strategy to address academic bullying, I think we go the same path like sexual harassment. But we need also take to consideration that sexual for the case of sexual harassment, we have a strong legal laws that support targets. We don't have that for academic bullying in many countries. And even if there's a law, the law doesn't have teeth, at least according to my interview with several lawyers. Okay, thank you. How do you think your study could help counteract academic bullying? Yeah, so I think uh, this study basically, like I mentioned, helps funding agencies and institutions to have better monitoring system and discipline-specific monitoring system because uh, the study revealed that what kind of contextual bullying behaviors are serious in each scientific discipline. So they can basically consider those contextual behavior in their training and also their monitoring and feedback system. So it can uh, develop, uh, I would say, discipline-specific guidelines and monitoring that would be very helpful for addressing academic bullying. Um, in your opinion, what do we still need to learn about tackling this important issue and what steps would you like to see moving forward? Yeah, for the first one, I think uh, we need to have better awareness about academic bullying, um, even in public. And the reason I'm saying that is that based on my uh, conversation with several people, the first feedback that I get is that, uh, are you talking about the school bullying? I mean, no one in public expect that we have such problem in higher education. But but this problem is kind of a taboo. When we talk with people at different stages, different positions, different ages even, almost all of them were either target of academic bullying or even witnessed academic bullying. So it's a very common scientific issue. We need to create a safe place that everyone can share their experiences and understand that they are not alone. They need to understand the side effects, long-term side effects of academic bullying on target towns and also on institutional like uh, reputation and even, I would say, revenue at the long term. For example, we had an incidence at Duke University that uh, the clinical data has been manipulated. And a few years ago, NIH fined the university for like over $100 million. So they need to see the big picture. And for the future, I think the only way, like I mentioned in the response to the uh, previous question, the only way that we can timely and effectively address academic bullying is to involve all stakeholders into uh, into the discussion. We need funding agencies. The reason is that one of the main reasons that institutions protect perpetrators is their fundings. So if the funding agency is involved, then that issue would be resolved. In some cases where Science Magazine also covered the story, when even the institutions reach the point to basically face perpetrator and fire them, 
using their funding, they can basically pass to another institution, do the same thing over there. So if the funding agencies are involved, there would be no reason for passing the harasser. So I would say the only effective thing would be creating a platform that all stakeholders can make a, a useful discussion about addressing this issue. Well, thank you, Dr. Mahmoudi, for your time and for sharing your knowledge and expertise on this important topic. Thank you for listening to the episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With the Clinical Medicine wherever you usually get your podcast.